Hi, Jonathan Williams back again at the Bricks and Mortar podcast. Bricks and Mortar podcast, that's buying, selling, renting or investing in property. I'm sure we're going to have something in the next 45 minutes or so that floats your boat and lights your candle. We are smack bang in the middle of the Christmas break. I am so grateful that I don't have to work in between Christmas and New Year. It gives me and the rest of the gang at Bagley Brown an opportunity to recharge our batteries and then hit the ground running when we get back to work at the beginning of January. Christmas, well, what's that held for me and the family? Well, we went off down to Millport. I'm recording this just after Boxing Day. We've been down doing the latter to see my mother and the great and the good of the family were there. My brother had come up from Southampton with his family and my two sisters were over there as well. My brother is now sporting a beard. This beard is a cross between somebody out of ZZ Top and Ron Wood. Um, in fact, I have been inspired in seeing his grisly f- demeanour that I'm going to go for the full-blown ultra-runner beard. As some of you maybe know, I've got my name down for a race called the Highland Fling. This is a 53-mile ultra that takes in the first half of the West Highland Way, 53 miles, slogging it out there on the 28th of April. 8th of January is when the 16-week training regime starts, so we're just almost going to be starting that. And the best present I got was a, a Garmin. I've been using Garmin's for years now, but everyone seems to sort of conk out after a couple of years. I'm now sporting the Garmin. I think it's a Forerunner 35 dinky little watch and in fact interestingly it syncs to my iPhone and also almost acts like an iWatch and it gives me notifications of emails and phone calls etc. So listen we're using that been out in a couple of runs and it's it's going pretty nicely. So we're off in between Christmas and New Year and we're back in at the beginning of January and just before we left I was inundated with people wanting to know a little bit more about buy to let limited company mortgages and that's really what we're going to talk about in this particular episode. We don't have an interview, we're interviewing Philip Howard next week so he'll be on the show, a little bit about him and what he's doing at the end of the show but listen what we're going to talk about is limited company mortgages in the buy-to-let sphere. I'm going to give you 10 things that you really need to know before you decide to dip your toe in the waters of buy-to-let limited company. Okay, listen, we're going to talk about buy-to-lets and specifically we're going to talk about buy-to-let mortgages on the limited companies. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the changes, the tax changes that were brought in in April 2017. I'm going to explain how that impacts the higher rate taxpayer. We're then going to talk about how, although you may think you're a basic rate taxpayer, how potentially you could end up finding yourself as a higher rate taxpayer and then 
After that, we'll go in and I'm going to give you 10 things that you need to know about buy-to-let mortgages and in particular in relation to limited companies. And then we'll round it up all and I'll give you some of the consequences and what I think is going to be happening to the market moving forward. So listen, let's kick off first with a little bit of an explanation as to how it all works. So... In 2017, April 2017, previously what you were able to do is that you had your rental income, you could then deduct the whole of your mortgage interest and then you would be taxed on that as the profit, okay? But from April 2017, what's going to happen is that over a four-year period, you're going to eventually not be able to deduct the mortgage interest at all, but you will be given a 20% tax credit in lieu of the fact that you're not able to deduct the mortgage interest. Now, it's probably best that I try and explain that with figures, and then you can potentially then see what a huge impact will, will happen to those who are higher rate taxpayers. So listen, let's consider this. Let's say you've got a flat, you've got 950 quid per month coming in in rental income, and you've got mortgage interest payments of 600 pounds. If you've got a pen handy and a piece of paper, or you don't, then stop the recording, go and get a a pen and a piece of paper and write the figures down here. So 9.50 per month, times that by 12, that's gonna give you an earned rental income per year of 11,400 pounds. If you're paying 600 pounds in interest, then that's gonna be 7,200 pounds that you're gonna be paying in mortgage interest. So prior to April 2017, your taxable income is 4,200 pounds. That's 11,400 pounds less the 7,000 200 pounds. Your basic rate taxpayer would pay 840 pound in tax and then the higher rate taxpayer would pay 1680 pounds in tax. All pretty straightforward and that's the way that it had gone for years and years and years. But following the changes over the four-year period, let's move forward to 2020 And let's then have a look at the impact the legislation will make moving forward. So just to remind you, we're now talking 2020, but we're looking at the same figures. So we've still got the flat there, £950 per month rental income, and you're still paying your interest out at £600 per month. So you're obviously still going to get your rental income per annum of £11,400. You're still paying the £7,200 mortgage interest. We spoke, didn't we, about the tax credit that you're going to get. So this is, you're getting a tax credit of 20% of the £7,200. And that equates in round terms to £1,000. 440. So the basic rate taxpayer will pay £840 in tax 
and that's exactly the same as the pre-changes to the tax. But here's the big kicker. A higher rate taxpayer will pay £3,120. Let me repeat that. £3,120. That, ladies and gentlemen, is double the tax. That is the impact that if you are a buy-to-let investor and you are a higher rate taxpayer, that is the consequence. The consequence is going to be by 2020, if you still got your property, you are going to have a higher tax bill. It's as simple as that. Now, for those of you who are listening to this, who are basic rate taxpayers, they may be thinking, well, that's fine. But here's the second kicker. If you have got a job, a salary, and you are close to the higher rate tax band, which is round about 43, 44, 45,000 pounds, right? What the government are saying is that they will calculate as to whether or not you fall within the higher rate tax bracket by not only taking into account your salary, but adding the gross rent. That's not the profit that you make. That's not the income less the uh, costs of running the place. No, 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 no. That is the rental income So the ones who are number savvy amongst you will have already begun to realise that it maybe only takes two or three flats at £600. Back to to our example, let's say you had £950 per month. Let's say you had two flats at £425 a month or £475 per month, okay? That adds up to £950. Let's say you had four flats and you were getting £475 per month. That's £22,800 that gets added onto your salary, which could potentially take you into the realms of a higher rate taxpayer, which then leads you to be paying double the tax. It is a galling prospect. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is probably why I am beginning to get lots and lots of inquiries about buy-to-let mortgages wrapped within a limited company. Because at the moment, what the government is saying is that if you wrap your properties within a limited company, then you will be taxed as limited companies are, which means that you can still use the interest to deduct that from your income. So it's far more tax efficient for you to be able to do that. But what happens if everybody starts piling in to buy to let limited company mortgages? There's talk on the street that they may decide to change the way that that is taxed. So watch this space. 
But at the moment, what I'm going to talk about are 10 things that you need to know about limited companies and the buy-to-let market. So, first one, number one of 10, is as follows. You've got to set up your company. Now, the lingo with this is SPV. So it's a special purpose vehicle, SPV. You don't have to have a company that has been going and formed for many years. In fact, a lot of the lenders aren't bothered as long as you've got an SPV that's up and running at the time that you make the application, a lot of the lenders aren't bothered about that. And it's pretty easy to get a company formed. You don't have to go to an accountant. You can just go online and then you can fill out the various forms. But one of the forms that you need to be 100% sure about, and this is where you might want to take advice of a solicitor or an accountant, are the articles and associations. There's something called SIC codes, that's S-I-C, SIC codes, and you need to make sure that those SIC codes are appropriate for the type of business that you're going to be running, okay? Now, it's relatively straightforward to change the SIC codes, but it's a hassle and it's gonna cost time and potentially money. So as with all things, Take some advice and make sure you get it right. First things first, set up the company. Secondly, guarantors. You will be asked to sign a personal guarantee, a PG as it's known in the trade, okay? Because in all likelihood, the lender is going to see that your SPV has got no assets at all maybe other than this particular company. So if the whole thing goes tits up, then they're gonna be wanting to go after the company and if the company doesn't have any assets, they're coming after you because you've signed the personal guarantee. Now listen, don't get your knickers in a twist with regards to personal guarantees. Ultimately, every time you sign a standard security for a buy-to-let on a personal buy-to-let, in essence, that's a personal guarantee because the bank are coming after you if that mortgage isn't paid. So listen, it's a necessary evil. It's just another form to sign. Again, your solicitor will be able to guide you as to what the terms of the personal guarantee are. What I would be saying to you is to make sure that it is not an open-ended guarantee and make sure that the guarantee, that you take independent legal advice and make sure that the guarantee is specifically relating to the borrowings that you've got with that particular bank, okay? Try and get the guarantee capped to the amount of borrowing that you've got on that particular property. So that's number two. On to three, the banks will want to employ their own solicitors. If you've done a fair amount of buy-to-let, individual buy-to-lets, you'll know that your solicitor will act for you and will also act for the bank. That doesn't happen with limited company buy-to-lets. The three main players in the buy-to-let limited company space will insist that they instruct their own solicitors and you are going to end up having to pay for that, okay? Now, you can choose one of the lenders that we use, you can actually choose 
who the bank are going to instruct and really what you want to do is to get your mortgage broker to do a ring round just to find out exactly what the costs are because the costs do vary so just make sure that you get your broker to do a ring round and see which ones are going to be offering you the best possible deal. I'll come back to solicitors because there's an issue with regards to timings in connection with everything but I'll come to that later on. Let's move on to number four. So number four is all to do with interest. Now I said at the start of this that you need to go and speak to the accountant. Your accountant is your numbers man. They will be able to identify whether or not going down the limited company route is the best option for you or to actually stay as an individual. And one of the things that will be of concern to the accountant is how much interest you're actually going to pay. Now, interest rates on limited company buy-to-let mortgages are significantly higher than the interest rates that you will get from your high street buy-to-lets, your Godivas, your Birmingham Midshires, your Mortgage Works, um, your, your TSBs, um, all the, the big players, your Barclays, etc., they will be considerably cheaper, okay? So you need to do the maths, you need to crunch the numbers. Sometimes it can be a percent, sometimes it can be even 2% of a difference. Now that doesn't make a big difference if you're, you're sort of bottom, bottom feeding at the bottom end of the market, but it starts to have a significant impact if you're starting looking to borrow six-figure amounts of money. And that's really where the accountant will come into their own and they'll be able to crunch the numbers for you. That's number four. We're moving on to number five and we're halfway there. There is a limited choice out there with regards to who is looking at limited company buy-to-lets. I think what will happen is that you may find in the next year to 18 months depending upon how the market goes and whether the market continues to increase. But you may find that the high street lenders are starting to lose market share because a lot of the landlords are now looking to the limited company space to, put, to wrap their property under. So I think if that happens, then you might find that some of the, the high street lenders will come in and start to play. And I think if that happens, then you'll see that interest rates may start to drop. But at the moment, there's probably three main contenders who are in the buy-to-let space, whereas you're probably talking about 10, 15, 20 or so who are doing the buy-to-let on an individual basis. So there's not a great amount of companies to choose from. We're halfway there, we're on to number six, and this goes back and harks back to the separate representation and the banks insisting they get their own solicitor to act for them. Having been a solicitor for 20 years, my view is that once you start throwing solicitors at problems, then it's gonna take a lot longer than you think. So if you've got two solicitors, one's acting for you, one's acting for the bank, and then you've got a third solicitor who's acting for the seller, 
three solicitors doesn't make for a quick transaction. So for goodness sake, if you're going to wrap it in a limited company, make sure, make sure that you give yourself sufficient time in order to get the deal done. It ain't happening within three weeks, okay? It's going to take a little bit longer to get the offer of loan out of the lenders and then there'll be a whole paraphernalia of legal documentation for you to sign. From the personal guarantees to the standard securities, they'll probably want offers of loans signed and it all has to be sent to the bank solicitors, then probably to your own solicitors and then out to yourself. You can see where this is going and it takes a little bit longer. So be patient, be understanding. Ultimately, you're looking at the bigger picture, the longer picture, and that obviously means tax savings where we're looking at limited company buy-to-lets. The completion process, we're into number seven. After this, there's three to go. Completion process can be a little bit... Well... Yeah, it can be a bit slow, I guess, is what I'm trying to say here. Um, it can be a bit cumbersome because what's going to happen is that your bank, the person who's going to be lending you the money, they're not going to send the money directly to your solicitors. They'll probably send it to the solicitors acting for the bank and then the bank solicitors then have to pass the money to your own solicitor and then your solicitor then has to pass the money over to the seller solicitor. So that can all take a fairly lengthy period of time. It may be that the whole process will be undertaken over um, two days. Uh, you may find it a bit of a struggle to get all that done in one day. Certainly, if it's trying to be done in all one day, I think it's unlikely that you're going to be looking at getting your keys at 10 o'clock in the morning. But if it's spread over two days, uh, then you're probably looking at being able to pick up the keys at some point during the morning of that second day. But again, be patient give yourself time. I think if you can understand the process, then it's easier, I think, for you to be a little bit more patient because there's a lot of pieces that have to go into the jigsaw. And if you know what that is, then you know, you'll know you understand why it can take a little bit longer than your bog standard buy to let. We're on to number eight and we're talking valuations. It's been many a year since Scotland was introduced to the home report uh, introduced to the home report because I guess it came from down south and down south saw, saw the light uh, very quickly and ditched the home report leaving us with the home report but the home report I guess is here to stay what you'll find with buy to lets and limited company buy to lets is that the lenders will insist that they get their own valuation okay now, normally this is absolutely shooty in, but there are some occasions, one I can remember last week that I'll tell you about, there are situations where the valuer either downvalues the property or identifies a problem with which the instructing agent's surveyor has not picked up. 
So buying a property in the West End, an HMO, and the bank solicitors were almost there. We've done a hell of a lot of legal work to get us to this situation. And the bank's surveyors turn around and say, the place is riddled with dry rot. We then find out there's about 15 grand's worth of dry rot and the particular lender decided that I'm not interested in going ahead with this. So you need to understand that there will be a valuation undertaken by the bank and that, although it is likely to be shooting in, it can create particular problems for you. The, f- the next, the penultimate one I've written down here is accountant. For goodness sake, you need to go and see your accountant. I cannot stress this enough. They're the ones that are employed to count the numbers. They're the bean counters. Make sure that you go and speak to the accountant. okay? Because if you're going down limited company, you'll need an accountant to look at the books for you. But make sure that you just don't pick a bean counter. You want to get somebody who's going to offer you business advice, okay? You want them to be a shoulder so that you can go and speak to them and they can offer not only accountancy advice, but also advice upon moving forward with your business. They should be able to advise on the tax side of things as well as advising on the number side of things. Go and see the accountant and don't scrimp on that. And finally, we're wrapping up with probably one of the main benefits is that once you've wrapped your company, once you've wrapped your property rather in a company wrapper, it is a hell of a lot easier to then sell the the assets because what you'll be doing is you'll sell the company and it will be a share transfer so that there are tax savings to be made insofar as um, there is less of a tax implication through um, LBTT Uh, you'll pay stamp duty on the transfer of shares it's easier to manoeuvre shares if you're wanting to do something clever with regards to, say, inheritance tax, it's just a much easier way of um, being able to do tax-efficient stuff if it's wrapped within a company, okay? It will certainly be more tax-efficient if you're a higher-rate taxpayer, as long as you're not paying a ridiculous amount of of interest rate and you're not borrowing a hell of a lot of money. And as I say, it's much easier to manoeuvre the company with regards to the sale. So that's a really quick rundown as far as 10 things that you need to know about limited companies. And I'll just quickly recap them run them through quickly, one to 10, set up a company, get the right SIC codes, okay, and get that done before you make the offer. Guarantors, you're gonna have to do a personal guarantee separate from the banks. They're gonna want to instruct their own solicitors. You'll be 
uh, having to pay for the cost of that. The interest rates are going to be higher. As far as how many limited companies, uh, or rather how many banks are out there who are offering limited company mortgages, they're much smaller. It's a much smaller pool to fish in. It's going to take longer than your standard buy-to-let purchase. The completion process can be a little bit stop and start, so bear with all the professionals. The banks will want their own valuation. For goodness sake, get your own accountant. And finally, it's tax efficient. Listen, I hope you found that interesting. As I say, just at the end of last year, just before we knocked off for Christmas, I was just inundated with people wanting to know and seeking my advice with regards to getting a buy-to-let mortgage and going down the limited company route. You know what? It will suit a vast majority of people to do that, what with the changes in the tax that we spoke about there. But for goodness sake, go and speak to an accountant. Yeah, Matt Donnelly at AD Plus is my accountant. Wholeheartedly recommend him to you. If you're wanting an introduction, then give us a holler. Get in touch with me at Jonathan Williams at begleybrown.co.uk. We're still looking for subscribers. Please subscribe to the website. If you subscribe to the website, what you're going to get is every time we issue a new blog or a new podcast or a vidcast that we're going to start doing again early next year, then you'll get that emailed straight to you. You can also find us on all of your podcast devices of choice so we're on soundcloud we're on stitcher and we're also on itunes next week philip howard is on he's a young man of 24 and you would have thought that he's maybe just starting out in his journey well he's been on his journey since the age of seven yes seven years old that is when he decided that he was going to be involved in property. Decided, I'm not going to watch CBBC. I'm not going to watch CITV. Property Ladder and Sarah Beanie, that's going to float my boat. So listen, I've just done the interview there today with Philip. That's going to be next week. He's a young man. He's got huge ambitions. He's doing a property side hustle at the moment. And we'll talk a little bit more. We speak about an hour or so. I'm off to watch Back to the Future 2. We had Back to the Future 1 on there last week. I've never even watched Back to the Future 2. I didn't think it was as good as Back to the Future 1. But let me say, the amount of films that are on, there was Chariots of Fire that was on, The Eagle Has Landed, Mary Poppins and Back to the Future. And that was just yesterday. So listen, sit back. Have a listen to Philip Howard. He's coming on next week. You've been listening to the Bricks and Mortar podcast. It is your property podcast. As ever, we're taking a sideways look at property.